The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Welcome, everyone. Before we dive into another amazing conversation with Dr. Bio Akomolafe today, I would like to take a moment to thank all of my listeners for emailing me about the show. I very much appreciate and look forward to reading your messages each week. So any thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions, or diffractive notions, as Karen Barad would say, are more than welcome. And in the words of Bio, the universe is too relentless, too ungraspable to be reduced to steady precepts and inert principles. She strays and sways away from expected algorithms. And it is her ongoing promiscuity that materializes the world. So please keep your beautiful messages coming each week as they bring a special kind of life and vibrancy and magic and mystery to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. And you can always reach me at Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. I also want to let you know that an amazing and artistic millennial by the name of Malcolm and I are in the process of birthing the first issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine that is planned to launch the end of January. And it is just gorgeous. There are amazing individuals featured in this issue, including articles by Donaga Markegaard on ranchers standing with Standing Rock, Emily Frost on empowering women and girls with real talk, Dr. Christine Page on the healing power of the sacred woman, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride on the gut and psychology syndrome, and Tangam Chandrasekharan on heirs to our oceans, as well as other beautiful individuals that are sharing their wisdom and their passions with the world. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is being created to help us all become the healthiest, wisest, most nourished, and empowered people we can be so that we bring that wellness, that nourishment, and wisdom into the world and thereby reimagine and co-create the more beautiful and well world we all know in our hearts is possible. And I would also like to let you know that my guest today, Dr. Bio Akomolafe, will be a front page featured contributor for our spring issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. So definitely you will want to partake in that issue as well. And I am so excited to have Bio here again with me on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio this week, where we we are discussing the question, what if the way we respond to crisis is part of the crisis. Bio has created 
and is creating a stunning body of work. And he is an individual that speaks, writes, teaches, imagines, and reimagines so that we can all learn to find what wants to be found, to help each other make the unseen seen, and to begin to notice our blind spots so that we might bring to light something new. So welcome back, Bio. It is wonderful to have you back with us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you for inviting me back. I want to talk a little bit about the repetitive cycle of sameness that stifles novelty and keeps us perpetuating familiar paradigms and patterns of behavior because so many of us are working and toiling in this sameness. So many of us feel stuck, and I'm wondering if you can speak to this feeling because it feels as though maybe the first place to start is to acknowledge where we are and that in the honoring of this this place as being a powerful part of getting ourselves unstuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for that question, Rochelle. Um, so there is, there is a, I was just reading a report on the Kyoto um, Accord in 1997, the, the protocol to help with climate justice and the climate policies that were implemented over the years. Um, that policy gave birth to carbon markets as a way to resolve the crisis of climate change. And um, right now, uh, that protocol, that accord is maligned. Not many people see it as effective in battling climate change. And I think any student of most of the climate justice um, attempts or the attempts by people, scientists, policymakers, governmental officials to try to rein in the world, so to speak, and to solve the problem of climate change. Any student that sits with it would realize that we kind of go around in circles doing the same thing, um, repeating, if only in new ways, innovative ways, repeating the same dynamics that we're trying desperately to evade. I would say that um, we're not weird enough. It's the reason why I say um, perhaps the way we approach the crisis is part of the crisis. And that's because at some deep fundamental level, the philosophies, the entrenched ways of seeing ourselves in relation with each other, in relation with the world, are uncontested. So, for instance, the promise that technology would somehow eradicate our problems with climate, would somehow bring about a new day. If only we could just find that one app that would help us solve that problem, we would be well off and the world would be a better place. And so we we pump in money and funding into reining in the planet, into trying to decide um, what it means to be um, human on the planet. This is... um, exclusive to other non-human species on the planet. We perpetuate the idea that we are the sole perpetrators of agency. We are the only agentic beings in the world. And then we continue to do what we do. And so we go around in circles. It's just elaborate ways of saying the same thing. And these very anthropocentric, these very human-centered ways 
of being in the world are being called to question nowadays. And we are finding ourselves in new places. We're finding ourselves in incomprehensible places where we are challenged to meet the deeper, heartfelt philosophies and ideas and discursive trends that shape us and shape the planet. So this is a call for a deeper weirdness to take place, a deeper reckoning to happen. And how do you see, Bio, how do we get to that place or how are we? I mean, there are definitely, like you mentioned, there we are moving in that direction. Certain groups are, right. and I'm looking forward to hearing more about your um, emergence network. But how do we get to those deeper heartfelt places in that weirdness when we're so, when we feel so stuck now today? Right, right, right. It, in, in a way, the question, how do we do it? is well-intentioned. Um, but from another perspective, from a perspective of the whole, if you will, the emergent whole, uh, of seeing it from the perspective of, you know, the, the orchestra of voices that populate our world, um, that question might be ill-posed. And here's what I mean. Um, it's not so much about um, where, how we do it now, now that we're seeing ourselves as a mangled, entangled mess instead of um, individuals that are stuck, you know, stunningly divided from the rest of the world, we are being invited to slow down. And this is what the elders in Africa would say, slow down in times of crisis, to notice that there are other agencies. So this is really an invitation to partner with the world, to build partnerships, to notice the world in different places, to listen more than we talk, to contest our claims to confrontational activism or our claims to justice or our claims to victory and noticing that something else is emergent. So, yeah, um, I, I want to say this about um, how we do this. I, there's a proverb that we say in Nigeria as well, that where you stumble lies your greatest treasure, your, your deepest affirmation, the greatest treasure that you could ever come across happens when you stumble. In fact, you stumble on it. So taking that into consideration, you ask the question, how do we get there? It's almost like asking, how do we stumble? And how do we plan to stumble? Or how do we plan to fall? How, do we, <laughs> how, do, how does one plan to fall in love, for instance? <laughs> It, 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 it's, a, it's a co-emergent quality. It's like um, you can't leave your footprints in the sand without the agency of the sand itself. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we have to meet the universe halfway. And this is, this is, the, this is the first stirring of a different, a different kind of activism that is not so much about contesting claims uh, um, to justice, as it is about re-noticing ourselves in relation to the world around us. This is what, um, and I know this will come later on in the conversation, but this is what my work with the Emergence Network is about. Are there different kinds of activism that we can evoke today? Different ritualistic spaces, different practices that we can bring to the fore that is really about helping people connect with their gardens, helping people connect with your own skins, helping people meet 
uh, mycelial connections and microbes and trees in different ways that hack our understanding of our place in the world. So this is really about a post-human, post-anthropocentric configuration of our place in the world. It's about seeing us as part of a web of life instead of the string that connects everything. What changes if we're no longer at the center? And that's really the invitation here. It's so profound and so beautiful. And it feels as though, and you've mentioned this, that it's going to require us a real coming together in community and different communities in different ways. Would you say that's the case? It's this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really, in, in my limited experience with, with these radical practices of, uh, practices of decolonization is, is what I might want to call it, or, po- or politics of surprise is another term that I am fond of. Um, I've come across people that are engaging in different experiments. It's not just intentional communities that are happening. It's not just mm-hmm. permaculture societies that are emerging. It's, it's games. It's people um, coming up with little rituals here and there that kind of affirm that we're bigger than the circumstances that we're contained by. For instance, I have a friend, and I might introduce him um, to this show, um, whose name is Manish Jain, and he's, um, he, he founded a university in India, in the north of India, um, called Swaraj University. And what that university is basically about is about contesting education as we know it, contesting schooling as we know it. So there are no lecturers, there are no faculty members in the conventional sense of faculty. There, there are no grades there are no assignments in that sense. There are kojis, which is an Indian word for seekers. And there are contexts and communities that help a seeker to, you know, ask the questions that their, heart, their hearts want to ask. And so they come around seekers and they play games and they explore in beautiful ceremonies like the cycle yatra, which is... Uh, really a bicycle expedition around a community in India without cell phones or money or water or food. It's about trust. So basically, what do you do? The the heart of these kinds of practices is is a question. What do you do when the universe is no longer the dead thing that most of science or most of conventional activism pretends it is? What happens when we relinquish our claims to control and begin to trust that the world is, you know, that the world is alive, the world is able to work itself out? What happens when we remove human concerns from the center of the table and acknowledge that we are, the world is largely indifferent to our supposed, you know, claims to what exactly needs to happen? And what does that release us into? So those are the questions that are coming up in practices, and we can talk about it um, eventually, about these kinds of amazing rituals that are coming up in the world that show that we are not even weird enough. We're not there yet. That's wonderful. Let's definitely talk about that on the other side of this short break. Before we go, I'd like to share a quote 
bioacumulafe. An obstacle is the richest, thickest, densest place in the universe. This is so because it is where things stop and often die, failing to continue on their way. It is where carcasses of hope rot into the ground, inadvertently fertilizing it. It is a place of desperation and longing and roaming ghosts. All of this is my way of saying that I think it is not empty. This place, an obstacle, is bursting with activity, with microbial adventures, with dancing generativity, with experiments into continuity, with playful meanings and alchemical shifts, with eloquent invocations and stuttering words. When you meet something fierce, too strong to overcome, too high to climb, too imminent to sidestep, too dark to enlighten, don't take it too personally. You have merely met an antibody whose sacred task is to challenge you discombobulate you, disfigure you, and introduce you to the strange vastness of your family, a larger commonwealth of becoming. Just as soils chastise seeds and cocoons imprison caterpillars, obstacles are the universe's hubs of unspeakable creativity, redeeming us from tired victories, from the banality of crossing the finish line, from the soundtrack of getting everything we want, and especially from the hubris of thinking we are deserving. My guest today is Dr. Bio Akomolaf. Bio is the co-host of One World in Dialogue, whose mission is to develop a living global network of change makers and activists committed to deep dialogue in order to create new approaches and collaborations that support change. You can connect with Bio at bioacomalafe.net and emergencenetwork.org, and we will be right back after these messages. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? 
choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Home holds many meanings for us. It is a place of warmth, a sense of being rooted and known and accepted our mooring spot in an ultimately unmappable and threatening universe as such. Being without a home can be understandably tragic. In an Earth Talk recorded in October 2015, Bio Malafe frames historical tensions, colonial incursions, and the evolution of ecological, economic, political configurations in terms of our collective quests for a place in the universe. He considers how our modern culture is rupturing and how our fundamental assumptions about the universe agency and intentionality as a function of human intelligence, causality, matter as independent inertia, the subject-object duality, the theoclinical primacy of the ego, or even the givenness of time are being reimagined. We no longer live in a reserved, in reserved areas on the earth. We are part of its wildness, one with the shadows produced by the monstrous, and yet, as Bio surmises, this tragedy of homelessness is our one most singular source of new hope and occasion for turning to each other in small queer ways and an acknowledgement that we are being reborn and reframed and reconfigured, even though not in the neat ways we anticipated. These are the words of Dr. Bio Okomalafe. Bio is widely published and cited and is now composing his first solo book, These Wilds Beyond Our Fences, Letters to My Daughter on Humanity's Search for Home. You can connect with Bio, sign up on his mailing list, read his recent works, and find out more um, on his website, bioacomalafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. Bio, there's so much we could talk about here, but why don't we just um, return to what what you were going to be um, sharing about with the practices and the rituals across the world that are helping us... um, you know, reframe and reconfigure and reimagine and be reborn. So one of the one of those uh, by practices, I I I don't just mean um, I don't mean it in the reduced sense of things that are isolated. Um, I mean it in an expanded, expansive sense of the world being a practice of things being practices and not things actually. Um, so when I say when I refer to practices, um, I mean I, I say I say that with the highest respect to those rituals that I'm coming across. And one of those ones that I I really touched me recently was um, a shop of it's called it actually has a name as shop of the open heart, and it's a gift configuration. It's an idea um, that is premised on 
the notion of our entanglement, the idea that um, the world is abundant. We are not individual commercial units that have to stave off competition um, in order to reach or access enchantment or abundance. We are each other's abundance and um, prosperity. And so one of those practices, I mean, this practice in particular is works by people coming together and sharing things that are meaningful to them, like a gift that they receive or something that they bought, whatever, something that is storied and textured and is deeply meaningful to them. And the practice sometimes goes by people setting out the table and um, putting those items on the table and inviting people to linger around them, people who have needs to touch them and just identify the ones they'll like. And no one says, this is what I put down until after it has been selected. And then when it has been selected, the person who put it down approaches the person who has picked it up and shares the story of the item and says, this is where this comes from. And I gift it to you. I give it to you in the spirit of gift. You are me, I am you. Now, I, I say this, uh, probably I don't give it too much justice by speaking about it in this way, in this offhanded way. But the, um, when I experienced it, the first time I experienced it, there was almost like a re-engineering of my inards, if you will. It was like, it was, you know, we're, we're so trained in the idea that you don't have anything until you work for it. It's this, it's this, um, what's the word? It, it's this Christian ethos that you have to work out your salvation. And so you plant your seed, that's only when you deserve the fruit. But what if the world is much more, much more enchanted than those exclusive dimensions of grace? What if something else wants to happen? And so um, experiencing that ritual, it, it kind of re-engineered me to notice that I am gift, that my world is gift, and I can be part of community that takes care of me as to the extent that I'm willing to take care of them. And, and this practice is founded in the indigenous traditions that are being recalled and reframed, you know, invited back into our territory. We're reclaiming these dimensions of economic relationality, and we're learning again that money is not the one-all and be-all of life. And that's just one of them. Um, gift circles are sprouting all over the planet. People are gathering in circles. It's not just about items. People are learning to sit and, and be with each other. They're learning to listen to each other, a deep, thick kind of listening, not the, not the kind that is basically the one that precedes talking. So this is just an the tip of the iceberg of the magical, I would say magical because magic is to me the dissolution of distance. This is about people recovering a sense of peopleness and a peopleness that is not about humans in the center of the world, but a peopleness that is thick. It's about things that are, were supposedly dead, but are still part of our reckoning, still part of our world. It's beautiful. You relate the these um, you know these rich practices and with opening up new places of power. Can you speak yeah. to this? So, I I think a good entry point would be um, 
activism. So when I speak about activism, many people that listen might get the impression that um, I'm saying most of the beautiful, important work that goes around the world in trying to hold off, um, um, you know, ocean acidification or whaling or the people who are protesting at Standing Rock or doing even much more work in trying to keep um, shell off the Niger Delta in my own country in Nigeria uh, or, the, or people who are chasing away big giant corporations in the um, Wall Street movement, Occupy Wall Street movement, that is. Um, these, these are important and vital practices. But there comes a time when, in the veteran activist's experience, when he or she notices that sometimes the change that we look for doesn't seem to be forthcoming. We, we, we are embracing a notion of hope, or a picture of a better world, a world that works for the 99%, not just the 1%, that works for women and black men and black women and people who have been um, silenced under the tyrannical, repressive voice of modernism. We are, we are claiming our voices again. And yet, it seems the changes that we dream of don't seem to be forthcoming. We have many victories. We have many victories. Gay rights um, in the United States and diversity is recognized and all that. But still, it seems that the preponderance of things that we would rather do without, you know, bad things, if you will, outweigh the good things. And so we wonder, we ask questions. And I think this is the time for us to notice the cracks in our walls. And one of those cracks is that, you know, our activism, at least the practice of activism, usually goes by funding. So someone has an idea, an innovation, um, something brilliant, or an NGO, or something that appeals to some kind of need, and then he puts the word out. He seeks funding to get it done. Funders come in, they're impressed with it, and they pay for it. And because most funding, most funding, this is not saying all of funding, but mostly the, the, the practice of funding always expects, you know, return on investment. And so someone wants to get some money back. Some profit needs to be made. Or if even profit is not made, at least he wants to know that his investment is secure. And so they seek to standardize the model, to replicate it in all places. They tell the boy or the girl who has invented something or done something innovative to make it available to people around the world because they want something great. And these are the, you know, these are the ghosts or the things that haunt our practices of activism. And so it is at this time that I think that one of the things the Emergence Network is saying is that there are other places of power. Um, there are other things that we can be doing. We don't exactly know with some absolute certainty what these things are, but there are indications and potentials for new kinds of activity. It's only we sit and wait and notice that in waiting is not passive work, it's active work, because we're not just waiting for nothing or waiting for Godot. We're waiting on other agencies to bear their power. Yeah, I think I'll just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Profound. 
Um, so before the break, I shared the quote about your um, the beautiful words you talk about the obstacles and that our sacred task is to the, the obstacles themselves are challenging us, discombobulating us, dis- disfiguring us and introducing us to the strange vastness of our family. Can you speak to the strange vastness and um, why and this idea that we need to um, you know, connect with with our family. Hmm. So I held an online seminar um, a, a year ago that was called The Turning of the Wheels. And it was that name, The Turning of the Wheels, was inspired by an, a, a very interesting story of my friend Chip Richards, who's American but has, has lived in Australia for about 20 years, I think. And he's a champion surfer and he cares about the ocean. He cares about whales, those wonderful entities. And so one, one of these days, he was, he, uh, Chip is involved with, you know, some work. I can't remember the name right now, um, but some work that is involved around saving whales and helping ocean life. Um, on one of those days, Chip was, you know, um, in a boat and he was going out to sail who was going out with some friends to film the crossing of whales. And they encountered um, some whales actually crossing by, just passing by. And um, Chip brought out, he, he, had a, he happened to have a whale flute on him. And he brought out the whale flute and he started to play the whale flute. Now the whales had gone a few feet ahead. They heard the beautiful music that Chip was, you know, playing. And they turned, they turned around and lingered to listen to him play. It was a magical moment that was caught on camera. I still have a clip of it because he sent it to, to me. And, you know, my, I, I still remember just watching the wheels just turn around and just listen to Chip play a tune and then mm-hmm. honor him by spraying some water in him and then going on their way. <laughs> I, I just feel that, and I just feel that we are in a place where we can no longer abide with the notion that we all have to figure this out ourselves. Um, your question was around what we do with our... Ro- Rochelle, what was the question again? Because I've, 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 I've lingered off yes. the No, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, we, were, we were talking about the, how the obstacles, um, the sacred task of the obstacle itself is to challenge right. us and discombobulate. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's, it's about, it's about um, recognizing... I, I like the phrase, the strangeness of our vast family. It's, it's that, it's, what, what happened when we recognized that we're no longer alone? I mean, Chip, to continue the story and to end it, I don't want this to be too long. Chip mm-hmm. um, worked with uh, some people around the world to save those wills. But what Chip did that was different from what conventional activism would do was that instead of gathering resources to help the wills, he did it in the energy of the whales. So he decided to wait on the whales. And the story goes on longer than that, longer than our interview. But to cut it short, he did it in the energy of the whales. They listened to what the whales wanted. They had some practices to go out to, you know, stay with the whales and abide with them, to receive impulses from them. And instead of their vocation being an obstacle, the lack of resources being an obstacle, it became a blessing because they waited to be, to be blessed by the wills, if you will. And so mm-hmm. I think um, our, 
our conception, our notion of obstacles need to change. Obstacles are not dead things that stand in the way of human agency. They are alive places that are inviting us to broaden our agency. Just like the soil is not an obstacle to a seed, it's a place where the seed can become something other than it is. Mm-hmm. Bio is writing his second and third books, and we shall dance with mountains and a novel, The Boy Who Stays Outside. And you can connect with Bio and find out more about his work and his upcoming online course, We Will Dance with Mountains, at bioacomolafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. And we will be right back with Bio Akomolafe. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. 
Oh, to speak of worlds hidden in magic sight, lost between a whisper and a sigh. Up in fiery wings, a phoenix takes flight. Behind the appearance of a bird's morning cry, there is more than what meets the eye. There are new suns in the wounded why. Would that the dreamer climb lowlier till she arrives into the throbbing places where naught is still. These are the words from my guest today, Dr. Bio Okomalafe, and you can connect with Bio and sign up on his newsletter and learn more at biookomalafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. Let's, Bio, let's talk about the Emergence Network. Can you um, yeah. let us know what, where, how this came about, what is it, and how can we get connected? Right. So the Emergence Network is a strange company of people, of, of friends um, that are invited to be part of a space to think about the ways we respond to the many troubling events and many troubling instances of injustice around the planet. Um, the calling is basically the question or the invitation that you have repeated and I have repeated throughout our discussion, that what if the way we respond to crisis is part of the crisis? And I think that's a really powerful thing to say because it invites us to be still in times when people want to rush and do stuff um, and save, you know, to be the ones to save the day. And so the Emergence Network was raised or was um, summoned around the practice of waiting and listening and longing for some kind of um, um, vocation or expedition to the midway points that boundary us and the universe. Um, I would describe it as a post-activist um, group, and when I say post-activist, this is not an attempt to do away with activism, but it's uh, a poetic assertion that activism in itself, in the ways we frame it, and the practices that are hinged, um, or the practices that we are um, embracing today to bring about social change across the world, need to be critiqued. They are not neutral. They are not value neutral. And not that anyone is saying that they are, but they are in themselves contained and limited. And there are other ways, indigenous worlds, that have been done away with in the practices, uh, by the practices that we are bringing forth in activism. So the Emergence Network is an organization designed to help bring to light what has been occluded. Our work is really about blind spots. We want to question the ways that we see. We want to invite new ways of seeing. We want to dwell in the murkiness of diffracted spaces. We want to invite ghosts, those things that have been disappeared, those things that are no longer relevant, so to speak, and are still making their presence felt in some ways. So our, our work is about blind spots, making what is is not visible, visible, staying with the invisible, nurturing a politics of surprise. I, I said that this is the second time I'm saying this, and a politics of surprise is basically about meeting a world that is beyond our fences, something in the wilds, basically, which is also the title of my book. So the Emergence Network is basically about staying with blind spots, 
and inviting new ways of seeing. And we have beautiful practices that are emerging. So the Emergence Network started last year. Um, we had, no, today, this is 2017. So we started in 2015. I should get used to the new year. Started in 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, we started with an online expedition. We invited shamans and veteran activists and scientists and, you know, spiritual leaders to have a conversation. And we didn't, you know, the way this was framed was very trickster-like. We didn't start with talking points or how do we save the planet. We, it, it was, we, we wanted to remove the carpet. This is a phrase we used a lot. Remove the red carpet under the feet of celebrity activists. We wanted them to come into their uncomfortable places, places they don't know what to say. Most of the conversations, you know, um, were threaded through with uncomfortable, awkward silence. And I think when we come to the awkward places, we're doing real work, like Wendell Berry would affirm. Uh, so um, I could speak a lot more. I, I would just say a few things about the practices that we're inviting to be. Um, we're, this year, we're looking forward to having an event um, in London called Sanctuary which is really about hacking into our relational modes and meeting the other in times when peace is desperately needed, in times of Trump, in the times of Brexit, in times of confusion. We're trying to heal divides in ways that are not conventional, in ways that means we might spill into the streets and do weird things on the street in festive, celebratory ways. Um, one of the other things we're excited about is um, our... Um, magazine that is coming out. Uh, we have practices like called quilting, which is really about people going out in experimental ways and lingering with um, odd things, you know, knickknacks, uh, trees, and experimenting with the ways that they see these things. So there, there's certainly an element of gaming in what we're doing. What we're just embracing is a, cura- is a curatorial mode of inviting people to hold space for weirdness around the world. And, you know, yeah, that's what we're expecting, looking forward to. It's wonderful, Bio. And we're also looking forward to having um, the Emergence Network have a presence on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio over the course of the year. So very much. I wanted, um, I wanted you to say that yourself. <laughs> yes. No, I'm very honored to, to be able to share this platform with, with you, Bio, yeah. and the Emergence Network yeah. and um, yeah. Annie Levin. And just really, it's very exciting. And I have a quote that I'd love to share that um, resonates with what you were just saying as well. You say, the fonts of the next moment of human being will not be received via the experts, the great ones, the sages, the assuredly wise. It will come from the anonymous, the throbbing collective, the outliers, the mad prophets, the psychedelic explorers, the crazy poets. They together are the guru steeped in interdeterminacy, tugging on the heels of serendipity. It is their play that will usher in new moments long after the machine lovers of our age have rusted. Can you say any more about that? It's it's the uh, it's again the trope or the scene of of edges coming to edges coming to the incomprehensible. Um, we we are like in some way we're like colonial settlements. We have built our farmlands and our homes and our houses 
on a sturdy island and we have banished, you know, we've built fences to banish the rest of the island to colonize the safe space that we're in. Unfortunately, there has been a crisis and the whole island happens to be a giant turtle, not an island, not a rock at all. Now everything has changed. We can no longer claim to be stable or firm. I think that's an allegory for what's happening in the world today, with what's happening discursively, intellectually, philosophically, socially, um, ecologically, um, in every way, economically. We are being tested, and I don't mean tested in the Christian sense of waiting to get to heaven. I mean we are being challenged. We're being troubled by what has been repressed, and it is to the edges we must go, um, not stabilizing ourselves further in the territories we've built, not lingering around the flags that we've planted on our supposed islands. We have to move towards the fences. We have to move towards the wilds. Now, it's our own territory. The whole island is moving, if you will, but it is outside of the fences that we must go. It's troubling, it's frightening, but it's our greatest source of hope. We can no longer turn to the... Um, to the staples of, of authority that has brought us this far. Einstein said it, I think, the best way, that we can no longer depend on the same thinking that brought us into the trouble. This is me paraphrasing him, into the troubles that we are experiencing now. We need wholly new ways of thinking about ourselves, about our troubles, and our planet. And this means that we have to go to the weird ones, the ones... Um, that we may have denigrated as no-gooders or the ones we look down upon as job seekers or the people who are troubled, who are uh, banished to psychiatric wards or people who are New Age woo-woo people. Um, it is to them we must turn because um, we are in a state of not knowing. We're in a space between stories, as my brother Charles Eisenstein would say, and we need as much as possible to stay at the edges. It's only at the edges that we can burst into new frontiers or new paradigms of being. Bio, you mentioned to, in, this was in your revo- resolutions list, to welcome, that we don't pray for happiness alone, but welcome sadness, grief, and terror. And so I'm connecting with this again because it's a very it's, you know, it's very personal. So for each individual that may be listening, you know, as we um, turn towards those things that you're suggesting that, you know, when we, and turning towards our own experience, the sadness and the grief and terror, but you suggest that we let those happen to us just as much as happiness and allow them to come in their waves and offer them the same kindness that we would offer the good news. Can you speak to this before we go today? Yes, um, the, uh, I just want to say this quickly, that the, um, there was a lady called Sabina Spirorein who created, I wouldn't say created, but co-created the notion of the unconscious. Um, uh, we mostly believe that Sigmund Freud was the originator or the person most popular um, around that concept. Um, but what actually happened was that Freud um, took the concept Sabina's idea of the unconscious and made it an individual matter, almost stuffing it into a unit. 
what Sabina actually thought of when she talked about the unconscious and wrote about it was the life of the others in us. So the unconscious is not some kind of individual territory inside us. And most of the West, the way we see ourselves, the way we nurture our psyches, it's basically around the, um, the understanding that we are alone, that the things we experience in our head, sadness, grief, joy, agency, intentionality, they're our things. They're stuck in our heads. Um, that's the shrine of individuality that divides me from you. But what if we are more porous than we previously supposed? What if, what if we melt through and accommodate the others? And that's the reason why I speak about inviting sadness, because I think in some poetic fashion, because I can, I can with, within the time, I don't think I can characterize it as much, but I can mm-hmm. justify it poetically, that the fall of a leaf could be the experience of sadness. Many of the people, when I was practicing clinical psychology um, as a psychotherapist, many of the people that presented with issues or presented with um, disturbing experiences and that we couldn't explain, we did our best to explain it away and give them pills and stuff, but they presented with these experiences and, and they, they had no words for it. Maybe that's a clue to the fact that language, is, language doesn't cover all, that there's a whole swath of of a world that is beyond language, that is part of our inner world, if you will, that we have silenced and we're not given justice to. Maybe the life of others in ourselves, maybe it is materializing in form of those emotions that we desperately call sadness or grief or joy or whatever. And this is the reason why we need to open up today to the world beyond us, to rivers and springs and things that are supposedly dead things. Maybe, maybe, maybe the world is mattering through them. And that is what we experience and cannot explain in our own you know, journeys through life. My guest today has been Dr. Bio Okomolafe. I urge you to sign up on his mailing list to get updates about his upcoming engagements. Enroll in the next iteration of his course, We Will Dance with Mountains, and read his recent works on biookomolafe.net and visit emergencenetwork.org. Bio, it has been another great pleasure to have you with us today on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rochelle. And you will definitely want to tune in next week for Bio's third episode on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, as Bio will be sharing about his upcoming book, These Wilds Beyond Our Fences, Letters to My Daughter on Humanity's Search for Home, his unschooled three-year-old daughter and his quest for his fatherhood, his wife and their decision to live an intimate life on the fringes. He shares about navigating the rough terrains of fatherhood, how he is re-unlearning what it means to be with their daughter, Alethea and the new one coming, and his prayer for the world, and that will be his daughter's home when he is no longer around. So mark your calendars and tune in in again next week. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you all so much for joining me on this journey. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being, to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness, and your experience of your own infinite potential with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join host Rochelle next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific. 
5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously toward your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.